The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to the most nutritious hour of business talk all week. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. Your host and moderator is Bonnie D. Graham. You'll hear from the innovators who have learned to use game-changing technologies to shake up the status quo and help move today's businesses in new directions. Now, here's Bonnie D. Graham. And here she is. Today's buzz term is BI, business intelligence. Is it an oxymoron or is it a game changer that can help make your company smarter, more agile, and, hey, able to leap over tall competitors in a single bound? I love that when I wrote it. By the way, if you're out there making business decisions based on your intuition, and that's it, and you're wildly successful, we want to know who you are. Tweet us at hashtag SAP Radio, and we'll applaud you collectively for the rest of us stay tuned. Now we're continuing our Game Changer radio discussions from April 4th and May 9th this year on this always vital topic of BI. Today we're going to revisit why even the best business intelligence needs a strategy. We'll be looking at other topics like big data, analytics, cloud. What is a single trusted version of the truth? You're going to find that out in a lot more. My experts today are speaking out. Brian Summer for TechVentive says, detectives have hypotheses and working theories they try to prove or disprove. Why shouldn't BI initiatives use the same rigor to uncover huge insights into business? I think it's a rhetorical question, and when I bring on Brian in about two minutes, he will tell us what he really meant. We're also joined again by Josh Greenbaum from EAC. Josh says there is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. Not an original quote, but he's smart enough to pull in something from Sir Arthur Conan Doyle from The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes. You Holmesites out there would probably recognize that. We'll be talking to Josh in a moment. And joining us today for the first time is Colin Dover from SAP. And he says very pragmatically, responding to the seemingly simple business requests of providing a consolidated view of a global corporation is enough to send an IT department into a collective cold sweat. Oh, I'm getting the chills already. Very provocative. That's what I asked for, and that's what Colin gave me. We'll be meeting him in a minute, too. So pour a cup of coffee or whatever you're drinking. Drinking, you'll find out what my guests are drinking. And join us for How Smart is BI Without a Strategy, etc., etc., Part 3. Now, before I introduce my guests, I have some news for my listeners. If you're a game changer on the go and you want to learn how mobility can be a great game changer for your business, we have something for you. Here on our show page, there's a banner that says Game Changer on the go, click it and download our free CIO playbook, my gift to you for listening. And by the way, there were 30,000 listeners on SAP Game Changer Radio in the month of August, and we appreciate your listening to us and try to always bring you great content and terrific thought leaders. Those are who my guests are always. Hey, want to see SAP Radio? You can actually see us. Go to YouTube and put in the question box, is your call center missing the obvious? And you can watch our first ever Game Changer Radio video. That's an of promos from me. I'm going to introduce my guests. They'll say hello and then we'll dive into their quotes. Josh Greenbaum, founder of Enterprise Applications Consulting, that's EAC, has been in the enterprise software space for over 30 years as a computer programmer, a systems analyst, an author, a consultant, and an industry analyst early in his career as a statistical analyst for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources. Josh realized how hard it is for smart people to understand how to best use complex data. Say hello to Josh Greenbaum. Hi, Josh. Good morning, Bonnie. Glad to be here. Wonderful. Glad to have you back. And Brian Summer founded TechVentive to help technology firms win more, win better, and win conclusively. That's a triple threat win there, Brian, in the marketplace. With his unique mix of serious technology expertise, thousands of hours working with top Fortune 500 executives, and a rock-solid marketing background, Brian is a frequent guest lecturer at, this is impressive, Harvard Graduate School and the Wharton School of Business. Welcome back to SAP Radio. Brian Summer, how are you today? 
Doing just great, Bonnie. Thanks for being uh, let me be here. Appreciate it. Wonderful. We we love having you on the show. And new to us is Colin Dover, who leads solution marketing for Enterprise BI Platform at SAP since the mid nineteen nineties. God, that was a long time ago. Colin has accumulated over seventeen years of experience in enterprise software, spanning a variety of technical and strategic roles at companies such as Brio, Hyperion, and Oracle, as well as now SAP. Welcome to Radio with SAP, Colin Dover. How are you today? I'm very well. Good morning, Bonnie, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. Now, let's dive back into the monologue. Let's go into the quotes, and I'm going to pull Brian up here first. Brian, you said detectives have hypotheses of working theories they try to prove or disprove. Why shouldn't BI initiatives use the same rigor, and I think that's the key word, rigor, to uncover huge insights into business? Tell me more, Brian Summer. All right. Well, I've seen a lot of uh, BI and data warehouse initiatives go down over the years. And uh, in some companies, I think they make the mistake of assuming this is a technical challenge or problem. And what they do is they find all the data that's in their corporation. They suck it all out and they put it in some kind of uh, warehouse or what have you, data marts. And and they expect they're going to get just giant insight out of that. It's sort of the field of dreams approach business intelligence, you know, if you build a giant data warehouse, insight somehow magically will come. Uh, it doesn't always work that way. In fact, mm-hmm. um, I, I, think you need, I think you need to have a really good business uh, set of questions in mind, clues or hypotheses that you're trying to work on, and you construct an appropriate kind of approach and warehousing approach, BI approach or whatever, and let's approach your deal. And the reason I say that is because time after time I've learned that most companies, uh, as they start down one of these adventures, they realize that they started with one question, which led them to another clue or insight, which then prompted them to maybe start taking their BI initiative into a different direction, which produced some other insights, which lead them into different directions still. So you can build the giant put everything in one big BI deal, but I'm not sure without a you know a set of working hypotheses and a real business and social science view toward it, you're going to get what you really want out of it. Thank you, Brian. Good start to our topic conversation, and I'm going to move quickly to Josh Greenbaum so we get everybody in on this first segment because I did a lot of talking up front. Josh says, and he's quoting, who else, Sherlock Holmes, there is nothing more deceptive than an obvious fact. Which is the obvious fact? What is it, and how deceptive is it? Talk to me, Josh Greenbaum. Can't wait. Uh, by the way, I love it. Uh, Brian, Brian and I somehow have, have coalesced around the detective theme, and I think it's an excellent one for talking about uh, BI. Uh, we, we tend to really, you know, the obvious fact is, is often the one you want to be true, um, and it's often, often the issue you hope that would take place, the, the answer you'd like to give your boss, um, perhaps the answer your boss would like to give you. And um, in many ways, we get we get stuck in those those rat holes. And I think you know, I had a lot of fun this summer when my uh, favorite books ran out of my Kindle. I pulled up uh, some Sherlock Holmes and started reading it, and realized this guy is you know was the original uh, the original data scientist and uh, did some amazing things with uh, making sure that uh, people understood what was happening. Very interesting. Do you have any more quotes up your sleeve you can toss oh, into the mix during the you show? Know, full of them. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yes, people have said that about me too. Uh, Malcolm just quoted uh, Winston Churchill. He said, "Never trust a fact you didn't falsify yourself." So on Twitter, <laughs> we we <laughs> we welcome people to tweet us at hashtag SAP Radio. I'm going to move. Thank you, Josh. I'm going to move. You got me smiling here. I'm going to move to our new newcomer to the panel, Colin Dover from SAP. And I, I like the idea of this IT department being sent, being sent, that sounds so forceful, into a collective cold sweat when asked to respond to, and here's here's the kicker here, seemingly simple business requests for providing a consolidated view of a global corporation. you got a lot of meat on the bones in there, Colin. Talk to me. How sweaty, how sweaty are they and how cold are they? Tell me. Well, they've been sweaty for the best part of 20 years, Bonnie. The, uh, the reality is this is this is nothing new. Uh, it's not a new experience or a new sensation for them. The uh, the, the constant pursuit of a single version of the truth, as it was often referred to in the past, uh, has been been very much a perennial challenge. And the, the big issue is that for many organisations, without a BI strategy, and and some of the points that the uh, the other the other guests here have mentioned already, 
I think really refer to the fact that without a strategy, it's very hard to even agree on what a single version of the truth should look like or what a consistent view of the business should be. And, and that's one of the reasons that I'm a major proponent of BI strategy. I work with a lot of our customers uh, here at SAP and have done uh, over the years at other organizations to help them get their strategy beyond a BI architecture slide or basically beyond step one, which is always building a data warehouse. Obviously, the world's changed, and uh, big data is presenting new challenges, and it's increasing the sweat level. Yeah, very, very interesting. I, I like the idea. We've been hearing different things about how IT is suffering or their role is changing or they're in jeopardy because of the cloud. We, we did a lot of shows on uh, in the cloud with Game Changers, and we've heard this many times. Um, I'm very interested in the idea of the consolidated view and the single version of truth. Colin, if you could just give me a clue. Historically, when did we come up with the concept of a single version of truth? And we, We'd all like to think that between two people, a, a couple or a pair or in a small business that they sit down at a table and agree, this is the truth, we will go with this. But in a big global corporation, whose truth is that and who gets to stay it and who gets to defend it? Give me a little background on that before we go to break in a minute, please. Well, largely in my experience, the uh, the single version of the truth has, has largely been defined by the version that needs to exist in order to reinforce decisions that have already been made based on gut feel. And and I think that is that's one of the biggest challenges, that Businesses require a tactical agility and malleability, excuse me, of the data. Uh, and often that trumps the strategic sustainability and the ability to focus on a consistency and building a level of trust across all users, across all levels of management, all of those making decisions. And, uh, and that's, that's probably the single, single biggest threat to establishing any single version of the truth. I think the other thing is that a single version of the truth was very much a 90s phrase. Uh, it was ah. something that I remember hearing many, many times in many meetings uh, during during my time in uh, 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 Europe there, and uh, and I think it was it was the vogue and in in phrase to use, and it was very much an aspirational statement. We will move away from these multiple versions of the truth that exist in Excel and spreadsheets and other other tools. And we'll centralize, and by centralizing, we'll become more competitive, we'll have a better view of who we are, who our customers are, where our profitability exists, and how to tune it, and really move the levers that, uh, that, that, that decide our fate from a, a competitive and a, a profitability standpoint. And that, that was really the, uh, the starting point for it. I think it's now seen as, as something that is a little passe, it's very 90s. And in the landscape of big data, as that's evolving and, uh, and everyone's trying to rise to that challenge, uh, it's seen as something that's largely irrelevant, and we've now got bigger fish to fry. So okay. don't, don't bother me with that single question of the truth. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking us right out to break. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is episode number 53 of Coffee Break with Game Changers. We just celebrated our first anniversary last week, and we're thrilled to be here on the Business Channel. We're going to be speaking more with Brian Summer, Josh Greenbaum, Colin Dover. I'm going to find out what they're drinking today, and I'll tell you after the break how you can get your own official version of our Game Changers mug. Everybody is singing its praises. You can have one, too, on the house. We'll be right back after the break. Don't even think of touching that app. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network you're enjoying coffee break with game changers presented by sap you can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com 
And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Now let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. And it's time for our Coffee Break segment. I'm going to ask my three very, very smart, astute guests what they're drinking today. Let's start off with you, Brian Summer. What's in your cup today? Tell me something wonderful. Well, it's a nice cold Dr. Pepper. That's what I'm drinking. Ooh, what time frame is it where you are? Central time, John. It's always okay. Dr. Pepper time. <laughs> and, and you're absolutely right on that, Josh. It's, uh, because that drink is still so misunderstood. And uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly right. Okay, it's I'm going to give Pepper. I'm going to give you an extra thirty seconds, Brian. Tell me why is it misunderstood? What sh- what is the single version of truth about Dr. Pepper according to Brian Summer? Tell us. Well, some people think it's best uh, uh, enjoyed hot. Some think it's cold. I personally think uh, ice cold in the biggest uh, glass you can get that's illegal in New York City. That's, uh, you know, <laughs> the place is not too friendly on a carbonated drink. Anyway. <laughs> Thank you very much. Josh Greenbaum, can you top that? What are you drinking today? Gosh, I, you know, I, I, some days I really think an Irish coffee at uh, 8 in the morning would be perfect. Um, <laughs> I gotcha. Again, I gotcha. And ever since... Starbucks came out with its blonde coffee. I've always been wanting to walk into a Starbucks and order a tall, skinny blonde, but um, I think that might get me in a lot of trouble. Uh, I had a feeling it would. So That's I'm, very, very good. Yeah. What, what's your safe drink? Blend of uh, what I, my French mariage fair tea uh, and uh, with a little Tetley's to make it uh, to give it a little, little dark, robust flavor. I like Some milk that. And That's- honey. Oh, wonderful, wonderful, very eclectic. Colin Dover, what are you drinking today, my friend? I just made myself a, uh, a soy latte. Soy latte, that sounds interesting. Soy milk and uh, caffeine, I assume. They don't yeah, let me yeah, have caffeine. I, uh, I treated myself to uh, an espresso maker. And uh, oh, if, if, if you don't have one, get one. They are they're fantastic. You just drop in the little... Uh, a little cube and hit the button, and a few seconds later you get a great coffee. So, uh, fantastic! You want to I mention a brand? <laughs> We're allowed to mention brands on the show. Do you have a brand you want to promote? Uh, well, Nespresso is actually a brand of uh, Nescafe. Yes, yes, and I know that uh, Marco, who listens faithfully to the show, is a Nespresso fan as well. And Malcolm says his day never starts. Never starts without Equator Coffees. We know that, Malcolm. Tell us the flavor. We'd like to announce it on the air. So let's get back to our topic today, which is how smart is BI without a strategy, business intelligence for the uninitiated. And I want to kick this part of the roundtable off with Josh Greenbaum. You said something very provocative in the notes you sent me before the show. Josh, you said, this is clever, Josh, very clever. Big data is starting to get an edifice complex, E-D-I-F-I-C-E, and we need data warehouse 2.0 like we need a hole in the head. If that that's not provocative. I don't know what is. Josh, talk to me. What did you mean? Is that an original edifice complex, or did Sherlock Holmes say that? <laughs> uh, wasn't, it, wasn't it Freud? I thought I swear it was Could have been. Well, you know, so and I think, I think uh, Colin, uh, excuse me, maybe it was Brian, alluded to it just a few minutes ago. I mean, we are starting to, I think it was Brian, pardon me, Brian. It was, we're starting to build these massive, massive, you know, warehouses yet again in answer to the issue of what do we do with big data and in fact i would you know if i had a fourth talking point i would have asked rhetorically what about little data Mm. Uh, all we do is talk about big data and i think that you know one of our problems is that once again when faced with a you know an unfathomable amount of data we are just going to you know we're building edifices to it instead of trying to actually understand it and i think that that's that's a fatal flaw i talk to a lot of companies who you know who are being seduced quite frankly by by the vendor community into thinking that what they need is some very 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 expensive iron and and lots and lots of storage and you know lots of data analysts and that will allow them to tackle the problem the looming problem of big data and in reality you know we need you know we're on the detective theme we need some very clever thinking and a very careful discerning of fact and some good hypotheses before we start building these edifices. And if we just go off and build the edifice, well, you know, in fact, I think we're, we're muddying the waters much more than we, we, we would ever want to do. 
Okay, before I ask Brian a question, Josh, I want to ask you one more briefly. You said we're paying attention to big data. I know it's sexy, it's exciting, everybody's talking about it. What is this little data you're talking about? Is it something that's a one-word text message, or is it just a single sentence, uh, a single tweet from a customer on social media who has something to say about your company? What? It, how would you define little well, data? Let, let me give you an example. So I have a friend mm-hmm. who works for a major hospital uh a system uh, which must remain nameless, but one of their biggest problems is how how do they deal with the spread of uh, penicillin or uh, antibiotic resistant staph infections? Huge mm-hmm. issue. MRSA is a terrible, terrible disease to have. Yes. And what he discovered is the best way to figure that out is to try to understand, or one of the best ways is to understand how patients and doctors interact in the geography of the hospital. You're in this room, you're in that room, you're moving from this room to that room, you're, this room is near a bathroom, that one's not. And, and correlate that with the actual spread of the disease through the hospital because this is largely a hospital-induced infection. So he wants to understand this, this geographical spread within a confined area. His data set is very small. We're not talking mm-hmm. about billions of records and, and mega, you know, mega petabytes right. of, of information. We're talking about actually relatively small amounts of data, very, very carefully mined. You need to know room numbers. You need to know doctors. You need to know which doctor is seeing which patient, which patient is, is in and out at what particular time. And it's a very, very careful analytical problem that actually doesn't require a lot of data. It just requires a lot of careful analysis. And that, that thinking about big data, oh, I have to just take all my, you know, my massive, you know, quantities of, of, of patient data and start analyzing it for, for big mm-hmm. megatrends is, is maybe right a good there. idea, but this is a very targeted problem and it requires a, a really a small, small data. Very, I would even go so far as to say it's it's local data. It's right there in front of you. Let's move to Brian Summer. Brian, you said something very, very similar. You said before you start buying a BI tool or building a data warehouse, can't we at least discuss what we're looking for? So did Josh just give a really good example of that? Do you want to add another one, Brian? Yeah, I would argue that, um, you know, an insight or an analytic kind of application or intelligence application, I'm agreeing, I think, uh, it only needs as much data as the problem or the hypothesis warrants. And, uh, you know, before a tech team starts running off buying tools and building warehouses and all that kind of stuff or, you know, getting a big, uh, a giant 200-terabyte in-memory, flash memory kind of uh, solution, you got to really understand the problem you're going after. And, and, and the best way to do that, I've learned, just – you know, dealing with a number of different, uh, like, uh, people who've built great analytic apps, is they spend lots and lots and lots of time trying to understand um, what a problem really is, and they talk to, like, other executives to get uh, insights into how people have solved this problem in the past. I'll give you an example. Um, A great use of an analytic tool is to predict what employees are likely to leave your firm in, you know, the next, mm-hmm. uh, whatever, 30, 60, 90 days. Right. And so the way you solve that is you go talk to a bunch of executives and you ask them, like, how did you know or how did you suspect somebody was about to leave? And to, like, uh, Josh's point, like, sometimes you find out, it's like, oh, I look at, uh, did they sell all their stock options in the company? I look at... Um, did they recently get a new boss who we know is a real piece of work? Uh, have we transferred him to the ugliest office in the world? Uh, I can't remember the name of the movie, but there was one with Jennifer Aniston in it where, um, and some other guys who uh, some poor fellow finally gets moved to the basement. All he really wants that would keep him happy with the company is to hang on to his red stapler. Sometimes the answer is, will you give me back my red stapler to the <laughs> analytic problem? And it doesn't necessarily require that we go crunch 20,000 years of historical weather data to get yes. some insight about who to put on a, how many people to put on a shift at a retail store. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you don't. Sounds like common sense is being begged here right now. I want to turn to, thank you, Brian. I want to turn to Colin to finish off this segment. We are rumbling ahead toward another break. Uh, interesting perspective here, Colin. You told me that business typically takes matters into its own hands. That's what we're talking about. And applies a liberal dose of Excel to meet their needs in a quote-unquote timely and malleable manner, which essentially guarantees, and I'm back to that again, the distinct lack of a single version 
of much, including truth. So let's talk about the, the business they feel they have to dive in, Excel. I'm assuming they just throw everything in a spreadsheet and say, look what I have. Is that what you're talking about, Colin? Well, it's, it's the ultimate tool of self-control and the only way to control your destiny as a business user in many, in many environments. And I think the, you know, the, 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 the fact is that uh, as, as both Josh and Brian have, have described, all the business user is trying to do is get to the answer that's important to them. And mm-hmm. Excel is just one way of feeling that they're getting to that answer. And I think the, you know, I would take it a step further and say that the big data challenge is actually not the, the real focal point. It's the nano data challenge that exists within big data, back to, I think it was Josh's point, that, that is really the crucial thing for a lot of organizations I work with. And, and, and the, the, the real critical value of big data is in being able to tell you what is the best that should happen every single time you make a particular decision. And that's mm-hmm. a fundamental shift away from where business intelligence has been over the last 20 years, where it's been very much rooted in these notions of tell me what happened, tell me why it's happening. Or maybe in, in more recent years, there's been a vision around what will happen and, and becoming a little more predictive. But the value ultimately of big data and being able to give users answers in the way they want them being able to get to that nanodata is really about them seeing what is the best that could happen and making clear, decisive, and, and executable decisions uh, towards, that, uh, towards that direction. Sounds like more common sense to me, and I have to have some common sense here and go to break. Thank you, Colin, for taking us out. When we come back, we'll be talking with my esteemed panel. We're going to cover some different topics. We're going to talk about how talent and skill fit into a corporation's or even a small business's BI strategy. We'll talk about social scientists in business. That sounds like a job description we need to talk about. And a lot more. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers on the Business Channel. We'll be right back with Brian and Josh and Colin and me. Don't even think of touching that app. Go have a cup. We'll be right back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. The time for enterprise mobility is now, according to IDC. By 2013, over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology, comprising 34.9% of the workforce. The impact of mobility on business is clear. Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime anywhere and on any device www.sap.com Voice America Business Network The bottom line in business You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers presented by SAP You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com and you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at twitter hashtag sapradio now let's get back to coffee break with game changers and we're back and i'm going to kick off this segment of the roundtable with colin dover from sap who was our last speaker before the break i think i squeezed you into a little short period of time there so why don't you continue a little bit with what kind of data we're looking for colin and, and what are your thoughts on this this big topic we're talking about bi without a strategy uh, and i'd like you to segue if you can into the question of who is the one, the DNA of the people in a company who should be creating that strategy? One of my favorite questions. Colin, why don't you okay. lead us? All right. So, so uh, one easier question, one harder question there, Bonnie. Uh, so the, I, I think the easier, the easier part of that is you know, the, the, the big data challenge is really, and I think Josh and, and Brian both alluded to this uh, in, in their answers earlier, is about the, the, the complexity of the data. In many ways, the big data challenge has always been part of the IT reality. Data's always been growing and data's always been changing, but it's largely been manageable in traditional terms. So it's been part of those you know, constructs around and the principles around data warehouse lifecycle management and very much you know, tried and tested methodology. What's really rattling everybody's cage right now is the nature of big data, the volume, 
the variety and the velocity and the way that each of those are changing. If you just think about the number of different social media feeds, even this conversation we're having today on this show, this yes. could be data that's being transcribed into something that's written to a disk and generating a massive volume of data for an IT department to then have to provision to an end user that wants to get to some kind of answer from it. They're also having to combine that with many other forms of data. And many of the stats that you get from, from the various industry analysts and the vendors alike talk about, you know, data is exploding at 80% year on year or we'll have more data created in the next 12 months than in the entire history of mankind or you'll have enough to line up DVDs from here to the moon and back. Now, I don't know about you, I've never been to the moon, so I, I don't really have a sense of how far that is. I know it's a lot of data, but the challenge really is, back to the point I was making before the break, where is the business value in all of that data? How do I drive better profit margins? How do I define new strategies for new go-to-market models in an increasingly challenging global economic uh, environment? And how do I become more efficient from an operational standpoint? Can it give me those answers? And those are the things I really want to be able to pinpoint and get to within those massive volumes of, of data. So that's, that's really the challenge. It's everything and it's anything. I have to take all data into consideration. I have to make it available. And I have to get value from it. And then okay. the, the, yes. the, the, the second question around, you know, who are the, who are the key architects? Who are the custodians? Who are the people right. with the, the vision, the ownership, and the, I'll say, the political will and righteousness to make BI strategy form? and make it execute, that actually falls down to a fairly broad range of individuals. The one thing that, that certainly I've experienced over the years time and time again is there has to be a, a clear, powerful direction from a very senior leadership figure within the organization. Usually they have to have a C somewhere in their title, and it doesn't hurt mm -hmm. to have then that same vision shared from them throughout the rest of the organization, even if people don't necessarily understand exactly how that will um, uh, present itself in their particular roles or in their particular responsibilities. It will span business. It will span technology. And I think it goes back to what uh, I think as Brian said in the very first opening comment, that you know, largely these things are looked at as technology challenges when in actual fact there is much about people and process, if not more so, mm -hmm. than simply technology. And so having that balance of process and technology as part of the vision, as part of the direction, and being driven very strongly uh, by a, a key executive that is charismatic, that, uh, that, that is well-regarded, and, uh, and ultimately can articulate to everybody, both at their peer level and up and down, uh, what the benefit of having a strategy will be as they view it. That is really critical in, uh, in, in my experience. Thank you, Colin. Great points, and that gives me a great segue into something Brian told me. He wants to talk about how talent and skill fit into the BI strategy. And, Brian, you've observed a lack of what you call social scientists in business. Why don't you tell us? Yeah, I think this is uh, this is going to be a uh, kind of a sea change point in, um, in IT, where IT in the past has really been about a recording of business events, usually accounting events or other kinds of transactions, and now this requires, um, the BI stuff requires real insights into, into one word, I'm going to call it how. How do people buy? How do people think? How do people shop? How do they do all kinds of things? How they decide to make a, you know, to a decision even. It's not what they transacted anymore. And that's what's, you got to understand these how questions if you really want to get to something. And I'll give you an example. Um, so uh, in my in a previous life, I did a bunch of work with some radio station programming, and we were always trying to figure out what caused the key demographic in radio. I can't believe I'm saying this on SAP Radio. <laughs> key demographic in radio were, the, were women 18 to 34, the most voracious consumers in the U.S. economy. And what causes them to hit the button and change the channel? And you know what it turned out to be? I mean, what? it took a lot of digging. Yeah. It, it, hello? Yeah, okay, took, go ahead. Yeah, what it took was uh, a lot of real great detective work in psychology to find out that acne treatment commercials caused women 13 to 90 years old to bail on a radio station every <laughs> single time. 
I knew it was going to be a game changer answer, Brian. Woo hoo! That's and, and you know what? They're really reluctant to talk about it. I mean, and to find that insight took a bucket load of digging, and it took a different kind of skill to figure that out. I mean, yeah, we did all the usual stuff, but it really takes some talent. I mean, there's a guy named Paco Underhill who's written books on uh, how we buy and why we shop and all that kind of stuff. And he even studied something he called the butt brush, which is what happens uh, if you if a retailer puts two puts their clothes racks too close to each other, and if somebody back end of a lady who's shopping, she'll drop whatever it is she was eyeballing, and we'll storm off, and we'll leave that area of the store, and we'll never buy the product. And how are you going to find that in a data set? If you think like a technician, if you think like everything is about ERP transaction data, you're not going to get there. You've got to get the social sciences, I think, really baked in there to understand the how of people if you really want to get real insight. Yeah, that's where we want to get the insights. We we want to be technical and we want to be smart. We want to know the DNA of the strategist, but we also want to talk about the impact of real people. Josh, I know you want to say something on this. Why don't you chime in? Uh, gosh, where do I begin? Oh, <laughs> I think, anywhere, dear, anywhere. anywhere. I think you know. I think I, I of course I, I totally agree. I think this you know the social scientist approach is is absolutely essential because to refine you know what, what Brian just said, we're really looking more and more at behavior. Uh, behavior of people and behavior of collections of people, organizations, companies, uh, and and buying groups. And this is, as Brian just said, not the traditional venue of the ERP systems that form the back office of most corporations, and certainly not what IT is very very good at. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that 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 what I'm finding more and more is you know, those skills are not just it's not just the, the pure social sciences, because we, you know, that that as a, as a someone who studies social sciences, I, I of course have a bias towards towards the, the kind of mindset that that brings to to bear. But obviously, you have to combine that with very very deep domain expertise. And and I, you know, I'm finding more and more that these very very complex problems that need to be solved can can only be perceived, much less analyzed, by someone who also has you know that 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 domain expertise, that very, very functional understanding of what is inside that business, what, is, what, is, what happens inside the mind of the customer, the mind of the employee, the mind of the person you're trying to track, and, and has to be able to combine that with, with, a, with, you know, with of course, an amazing understanding of data. And I'll go back to you know, my hero of, of recent reading, Sherlock Holmes, who really you know, not only was a very, very keen observer and a, and a real data scientist in the true sense of, of the term as much as you could be in his, his time, but he also you know, really was an expert at crime and spent, you know, when he wasn't, you know, Arthur Conan Doyle you know, regales the reader with tales and tales of, of Holmes consuming every newspaper he can find, of, of wandering the streets looking for information, of, of being inside his data set and being an expert at crime and criminal methods and, and people uh, as much as anything else he does. And I think that that, that understanding of how humans tick is, is, is very, very essential to how, how we are going to solve these big data problems. Thank you, Josh. And talking about how humans tick, Malcolm is our uh, our diehard, dedicated tweeter here on the show, and he just mentioned, Brian, this is for you. You were referring to the Jennifer Aniston movie, I believe, Office Space, where workers who hate... That's exactly right, yeah. Thank you, Malcolm. Loyal as always, he says, where workers who hate their jobs rebel against their boss. So there's a little movie reference for you. Uh, Brian, we've got about three minutes before the break. I wanted to cover one more quick topic here. You brought up a point of should speed be part of a B? strategy. What do you mean by speed? Is that how fast people make the strategy, how fast they execute it, how fast they get the data? Where does speed come into this, Brian? Well, I think here's the, uh, here's the even bigger conundrum. I think it was uh, Colin mentioned that uh, there's all this uh, wave, these tsunamis of big data coming, and they're, mm-hmm. it, they're coming not only in large scale, but also in great speed. The velocity of them is huge. And I think we have to have a, a, a uh, built-in flexibility or bias when you build these new BI systems, analytic systems, whatever, uh, realizing that uh, BI may become a throwaway deal. You, you solve today's problem, you get the insight into today's situation, but I guarantee you the speed with which com- competition, regulation, say you had today is only relevant for maybe today. 
and then you may need a completely different insight uh, shortly thereafter. Because just like every generation of workers we're seeing comes in very different, everything's changing. And I think building a monument around an old BI set of assumptions and hypotheses and expect it to last for 10, 20, 30 years just isn't practical anymore. Speed's got to be there. Is anything supposed to last for 10 or 20 years anymore? I don't know. That's news to me. But I, if that's the way people are thinking, you know, one of my favorite questions and typical questions to my panels on the show, Brian, are who, who is the, what is the DNA of the people making these decisions? So that always begs the question of how in the moment are they? How reactive and proactive are they? What is their mindset? What is their training? Are they uh, part executive, part social scientist, part psychologist, part visionary? What is that complex makeup of the people who are really in charge of that truth? And we could talk about that in the next segment, which is the crystal ball. So we can predict, I'll ask my guests to predict, look ahead to 2017, what BI and BI strategy will look like in five years from now, but also who will be making these strategy decisions who will be best equipped? Are we seeing a transformation of the people in charge of BI? I'm Bonnie D. Graham. This is Coffee Break with Game Changers. And by the way, go to our website at the Business Channel, and you'll see a banner that says, Are You a Game Changer on the Go? Click there, and you can get our free CIO playbook, How Mobility Can Transform Your Business, our gift to you. We'll be right back with our final segment on Coffee Break. Don't even think of touching that app. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network the time for enterprise mobility is now according to idc by 2013 over 1.19 billion workers worldwide will be using mobile technology comprising 34.9 percent of the workforce the impact of mobility on business is clear Increasing numbers of business users are expected to handle critical tasks and decision-making in real time, no matter where they are. SAP and Sybase and SAP Company offer mobile applications and underlying infrastructure with integration to SAP systems for secure access to business processes anytime, anywhere, and on any device. www.sap.com When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're enjoying Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. You can send an email to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet your questions and comments during and after the show at Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Coffee Break with Game Changers. It's that time of the show when we talk about the future. I'm asking my three esteemed guests, very smart guests, how smart will BI be in 2017 or any year they would care to predict? Let's start out with Brian Summer from TechVenta. Brian, what do you see ahead? I think uh, we're going to see three quick things. One is uh, there's going to be a widening gap between the companies that really master getting insights and uh they're going to be the haves and who don't take this stuff seriously and deal with it are going to be in trouble. I think um, I think I've, I've already seen some absolutely brilliant uh, solutions out there in the market, but sadly, a lot of those incidental strategies that uh, there were a couple of uh, brave souls who put something together in a firm, and it's not going to be repeatable. And I think uh, we're probably going to see more of that in the future but I kind of wish it would become a core competency of most businesses, not an accident. And last, are going to be the ones who have great empathy skills, who know how to stand in the shoes of these other constituents, whether they're customers, regulators, suppliers, whatever. It's all the other people that a business transacts with or has contact with, and those are the ones who are really, I think, going to drive uh, great success with BI going forward. Those are my predictions. Thank you very much. All good points. I like the inclusion of the word empathy in there. Very good. we got to keep the human element in there no matter how high-tech we talk. I like that. Josh Greenbaum, Enterprise Applications Consulting, EAC to us. What do you see in your crystal ball, Josh? Well, uh, let me extend it out a little bit because I want to put my kids into this picture. Who? Please so do. give me 10 years, 15 years. Uh, they're young kids, but I'm watching them today growing up with – 
more computing firepower at their fingertips than we could have imagined mm-hmm. even 15, 20 years ago, and in particular, watching how they manipulate multi-touch tablets and the multi-touch screen. And I can't help thinking that we are going to start looking at data as a three-dimensional object, very much the way we, um, you know, very much as an extension to what we've learned from the multi-touch world of the iPad and, and other other technologies. And that three-dimensional view of data uh, is really going to change, I hope, for the better, how we are able to understand interrelationships between data. Right now, we, uh, we, have, a, we have very flat one and, and sometimes two-dimensional views of data. We have conceptualizations of pivot tables and cubes, but being able to actually manipulate, literally manipulate being the root, the root of the word hand is in there, Using our hands to touch data is going to make a make a very big difference, and I I really believe that that's where the user interfaces are going, and therefore, hopefully, and I say this hopefully, we'll be able to translate that change and shift in user interface and control into a change and shift in how we how we perceive and manipulate data. Was that Josh, was that crystal bally enough for you? That was, my dear. However, I want to know: Are you grooming your children? to become game changers so that in X number of years they could be talking as you are and they would have their own perspective on. If we're, we're still talking about BI, that's another question. Will we still be using the term BI, business intelligence, in the next 10 years? That's Bonnie, your time you, frame. you so, don't want to hear me bang my head against the wall about the state of mathematics <laughs> education in this country. We do not have enough time on this show. I, and to be frank, my, my daughter in particular – uh, is is getting a math tutor in addition to what she's getting at school because this is the most important skill. I'm going to be able to teach her all the other things, the empathy that Brian uh, managed to hopefully give her a worldly mm-hmm. experience, as, as as I will my son. But but solid, incredibly high level math skills are absolutely essential, and, and her school isn't giving it to her, so we're giving it to her. Very, very interesting, and there's always a big battle when I was growing up, um, Josh, about whether whether girls could be scientists and whether girls could be in math, and math was one of my, my majors in high school and, and calculus and all those good things, and I just adored math. I was actually on the math team in junior high school and did competitive math problem solving. How about that? In, I uh, love it. In uh, junior high, yeah, traveled to other other junior highs, and we were given problems and, and a sheet of paper, and listen, honey, this was before all of the devices we use today, and it was like like brain candy. It was wonderful. So I totally embrace what you're talking about. Thanks for your predictions. And let's move to Colin Dover from SAP. Colin, can you look ahead five years, ten years? What's your preference? Well, I think I'm just going to go for a conservative five years. Uh, probably okay. not be as, as futuristic in, uh, in, in some of my, my vision there. But I, I, mean, I would also echo the fact that uh, as a parent of a three-and-a-half-year-old, uh, I'm seeing a, a, a grasp of data and a manipulation and interaction with data that, that I find quite staggering and, and almost just, just instinctive. So I think the, 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 the big changes that I see coming are data being considered as something that is personal. Uh, the big data and business intelligence kind of loses the enterprise and the commercial uh, aspects and associations and really becomes something that we're all affected and, uh, and affecting uh, by uh, by, by uh, you know, 2017. So whether I'm uh, my daughter's skyping with grandparents in the UK, or we're uh, we're shopping in the grocery store, or with the ATM, or our local police department is using predictive analysis to prevent crime, uh, or we're simply getting a smart meter reading uh, from from PG&E. Um, I think all of that just points to the fact that big data is just something that is part and parcel of our day-to-day lives. Will will become more so. And then I think from the the business intelligence standpoint, the big data challenge, I think a few years from now we'll be talking about intelligent data. I think the big data aspect of it will simply fade away, and it'll really be the intelligent decision-making that that data uh, facilitates. And so I'll be looking at you know, a, a world where uh, I've got users who are far more enabled, far more uh, accessible um, in, in the way that they can get to data, interact with it, manage it. And we're, we're certainly seeing already the start of that in terms of iPad adoption, uh, just as, as one tablet. Uh, you know, that's certainly driven a lot of shift in, in many organizations I've worked with over the years and, and really got them to, uh, to think about the way they deploy uh, devices and they deploy information to those devices and to those users. So you've got 
a lot of users who traditionally haven't been considered users or data scientists or business analysts now being so. And as we, we go forward, I think you'll see that user proliferation, their expectations increasing, and they'll be more akin to what my three-and-a-half-year-old expects to be able to do with the Dora Explorer app on, on the iPad. And the data will need to support that. So those users will be looking for the ability to be informed, to align themselves across the organization or uh, with their peers, and ultimately to adapt to what they're seeing in that data and take, take action accordingly. Uh, and ultimately, that will be the combination of intelligent data as opposed to big data and intelligent decision-making as opposed to business intelligence. Thank you, Colin. I, I have a, a one minute extra here before I do my predictions of what's coming up next in the show and some shout outs and thank you. So I'm going to go back to the panel and give you 30 seconds each. Let's keep it tight. If we were doing this show in five years today, in, from today, instead of calling it How Smart Will BI Be Without a Strategy? How Smart Is BI Without a Strategy? What would we be as a topic instead of BI? Would it be intelligent data? Would it be still business intelligence? Uh, can you come up with something, a new fresh term for what we'll be talking about in five years? Brian Summer, go. I think uh, the topic would be why did all these companies fail? And uh, ah. talk about a real positive uh, tone to end the show on. Um, but there's going to be a <laughs> bunch of companies who didn't use the analytics and the BI stuff to really optimize their uh, their business. They didn't get insights into their customers. They didn't do. Uh, they didn't optimize inventory. They didn't figure out how interconnected their supply chain was to a whole bunch of other external events. I go all the way down the line. In five years, I think we'll see some spectacular companies who ignored the opportunity before them and will suffer the consequences. Thank you. Josh, I'm giving you 15 seconds. Go. Okay. The Cynics View, we'll be talking about the same stuff in five years. We were talking about this 10 years ago. That's not going to change. Human nature doesn't change that quickly, unfortunately. Plus change, plus LMM shows. And Colin Dover, 15 seconds. What do you see? Will we still be having this topic in five years or not? Yeah. Well, I'm going to plagiarize both Brian and Josh's answers and say that I think the, the conversation largely won't have changed. It will be the same challenges for the same individuals. Uh, but we will be reflecting on the fact that those that had a data-centric view of the world and were very much system-focused and technology-focused in, in a post-recession climate uh, were the ones that faded away. Those that developed a strategy and progressed uh, along the various steps of that strategy to a state of maturity that allowed them to achieve insights and make intelligent decisions uh, based on intelligent data, those will be the ones who will be uh, competing, Thank they'll you. be leading their field and, uh, and, 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 and driving Thank their industries. Thank you, Colin. I've got 30 seconds to wrap here. Next week on Coffee Break with Game Changers, we'll be revisiting another great topic. Subsidiaries will be talking about parent-child battles for control, part three, a real human interest story. Wednesday, October 24th, brand new topic, the future of education, education design thinking. Are we teaching kids what they need to succeed? That's a topic for Josh and his kids. Wednesday, October 31st, great show, the changing role of the CIO with my very special guest, SAP's own CIO, Oliver Busman, who's a game changer in and of himself. Want to listen to us and get your free coffee break mug? Go to sapgamechangersradio.com. That's sapgamechangersradio.com. Shout outs. Thank you to Patricia Harris, Malcolm Kimberlin, and the Business Channel team. Here's my closing remark. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Thank you to Brian Summer, Josh Greenbaum, Colin Dover, and Brad. Talk to you next week here on Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the Coffee Break conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag pound sign S-A-P-R-A-D-I-O. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, again next Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.